Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 29th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHats.com. Welcome back. We had a little bit of a hiatus there. Uh, We can blame Ryan Stimson and the RIT Hockey Analytics Conference for that. So uh, thank you, Ryan, (laughs) for the week off. We got some Penguin stuff to catch up on. They uh, made their third-line center trade with Riley Sheehan. So we'll talk about that. They're still bleeding shots. We'll talk about that. And there's some teams that uh, people pick to do well, ourselves included with some of them, that aren't doing so well. And then there's some teams on the flip side of that that are doing really well. Uh, Vegas being the the one that comes to mind uh, right away. So talk about all that stuff. What shall we lead off with? Um, excuse me. Let's do the Penguin stuff off the bat, hey? Okay. Sorry, do you think this is the final move for that third line center, or is this just a placeholder? I hope it's a placeholder, and I don't mean that to be overly negative at Mr. Sheehan there, but I think if you're talking about a three-peat and you can bump him down to the fourth line, that would be pretty good. Yeah, excuse me. And I remember discussing the whole Greg McKegg looks like he'd be a fine fourth-line center, but Shane, to me, the little bits that I've already watched him, obviously looks much more polished than what McKegg can provide, so... If he does get nudged down to a fourth-line spot, you're in a much better spot. Yeah, and it's you know it's kind of timely that we're talking about this right now because they played Matt Cullen last night, who had an assist in the Wilds' victory, but I would say his first eight or nine games have been really not great. I'm speaking of Cullen. I think I yeah. his possession was high 30%-ish, and he had yet to have an even-strength point. I think he uh, corrected that last night against the Penguins. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody was pretty bummed when he chose Minnesota. Not mad at him, but like, oh, man, I wish he would have came back. And it's it, a good it story. Might, That's the thing. It really might be addition by subtraction because of his age and where his stats are trending at the present moment. Uh, Greg McKegg, I don't know who the hell knew this was coming, but he, he might be an upgrade on Matt Cullen just because Matt's, um, you know, at the end. See, for me, the only way he's going to be an upgrade on Matt Cullen is if he can score like Matt Cullen did. I mean, Matt Cullen... That's not a fair bar for most but it's scored, he scored he scored himself out of bad possession problems. That's the thing. So if McKegg gets there and does well at possession and, and just breaks even as a fourth line, he, you're usually happy with your fourth line breaking even. And, and he is. He's he's above 50 yeah, right now, McKegg That's is. right. But what's more important for you? A fourth line that gets caved in but doesn't get scored on and scores the other way? Like... The way Penguins played last year, that's what they relied on. The way they're bleeding shots this year, they might have to rely on that again as well. Yes, if we tie this into the defensive issues, you're de- 
you're definitely going to need tangible offense to make up for that. And we'll talk a little bit about um, that. But, you know, Sheehan, cost to acquire was pretty simple. I didn't have too much of a problem with that at all. My my initial thoughts and in, in the trade actually uh, broke during the the RIT conference at, at when I was at the bar, <laughs> and um, you know it was of course an interesting group of people uh, there and cool to kind of talk about uh, a live trade like that and I wish I had something unique to say about it. I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it was it's it's like a whatever trade. The value, um, Sheehan's ceiling isn't amazing. His floor probably is nowhere like last year. Yeah. But it's probably, his actual value is probably closer to that floor than his career ceiling in 2012-13 when he, uh, his points per 60 were like almost at 2.5, I think, in that shortened year. So, they didn't give up much. Scott Wilson, they, you know, for whatever reason, had no intention of using him on a regular basis anymore and chose Tom Kuhnhackel. So if, I, I guess if you're going to use a fringe top niner like Wilson very sparingly, what's the difference if you move him for something you need? Correct. Um, it's It'll... There'll be an expectation, I think, in the fan base that they're going to Justin Schultz she in here. Well, I do think it's a better situation for him, and he might get... Yep. But I think Justin Schultz was legitimately um, a very talented player in a very bad situation where... And that's the thing, though. The talent that Justin Schultz has is substantially more than what Sheehan had. That's how high a praise I, I put on, on Schultz, so... I don't think the fans, or I'm hoping the coaching staff and the management don't expect, and I wouldn't assume them to, I suppose, to to have that kind of a turnaround in, in what he's going to produce. One, he's right, like, Schultz was fortunate enough to be sheltered like hell until he got his confidence up and away he went. Um, Sheehan, as a third-line centre, I don't really know how they're going to be able to shelter him. You can't really. Well... You can either shelter him and make Sid and Gino do all the heavy lifting, or you hope that he can handle it somewhat. And I go option B. Hope he can handle it. Time will tell. He's what three games in, and has looked fine. Like I, I, I don't have a like a, a criticism of anything or anything like that of him. It's just some of those things. It's a trade that's they're only what is it one eighth of the way through the year. Um, they had to do it. They were quite obviously struggling without having a, a third-line center there. But if they go into the playoffs with him as their third-line center, I think that three-pit might be in a little bit of trouble. The three, let's be honest. I, I know this is going to be the theme throughout the year, chasing yep. the three-pit. The three-pit ain't going to happen from a probability standpoint. Like it, The cards are so stacked. Even if you do everything right... Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, a couple of coin flips and you're out in the first round. Or a couple of coin flips and you don't even make the playoffs. 
Which, to their credit, they are banking points right now at a rate that um, this is supersedes big. their on ice play. Yeah, and the fact that they are banking those points is going to save their ass later in the year. They're not going to be chasing the chasing the tail end of the playoff run, and that's might what be that might be what screws up some of those other teams. We'll talk about later. Um, just trying to catch up games later on in the year, which makes it hard. Why are they bleeding shots, right? Well, I think they get into trouble with gap control in the neutral zone sometimes. That's really when they uh, when they allow that blue line, the defensive blue line, and the clean entries. You know, they've never been a good defending team in the sense that the teams <clears throat> in the zone were... Um, Man on man, where once a team gets possession, they they can work the puck around a little bit. Yeah. And the key has always been defending the entry, so it's like a chip and chase situation. And the skilled puck guys move it back up, and they're on the attack, and their forwards are, have been so good that they just sustain it the other way. And now I just think they're not as good at that. And it's leading to more volume. And the forwards aren't as good. No. They're, well, they're a year older now. And at that point of their career, we're a year older is a negative. Yeah, for many of them. The ones that matter. The ones that matter. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so I don't think it's any more complicated than that. They weren't they weren't good defensively last year. No, 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 they weren't. No, it's interesting to see uh, as as Mike Sullivan's sample keeps growing in Pittsburgh. That 2015-16 season uh, was it lightning in a bottle because they they were great. Like I had no complaints about much of anything. <laughs> I mean, all their numbers were good. Yeah. And then last year, it's kind of goofy with the PDO stuff. And you're like, well, they they can do it, but I wouldn't, you know, recommend this be the path to the second straight title. And, um, you know, Flurry got them through with Washington, and that was that. Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know. Um, I think teams that are stacked with forwards that can score can go on high PDA runs because all it requires is your non-star players to suddenly get hot at the right time, and they're usually the ones that, that break the PDO. Like, you look at Gensel. No one was expecting Gensel to be the leading scorer in the playoffs last year, but he was. So I, I, I think as highly of him as any. Um winger or player on the team other than like Sid and Gino. Yeah. And no, I wouldn't have predicted a I would have no. predicted a successful playoff run, but to lead the entire playoffs and goals. Yeah. I mean you need some shooting percentage with that and I think he was what up you know, upwards of twenty. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> that's what it takes to, to have a team ride the PDO wave through the playoff run. And, and Pittsburgh got that because they got convincingly out possessed or outshot, whichever way you want to word it, um, in a lot of their games. 
you know, I think the only series that they really sort of dominated possession was the Ottawa one, really. And that wasn't and we that were, early. Yeah, yeah. That and, was the and game seven. Uh, what if Chris Kunitz doesn't put that in? And what if a stupid bounce goes the other way? Yep. They were in game seven overtime with Ottawa, who I would strongly say was the easiest of the four. That was right. the only team they pushed play consistently against. Yep. Yep. And and that's the, the issue you, you have is that um, playoffs are all small samples. It's only seven-game samples at the most. And we all know how bizarre small samples can be. Um, so Schultz is out. That's not going to help the cause. No. And I'm not a fan of Hunwick, but the fact that they've got no depth to replace one of those guys and now two of them are out. Yeah, I guess there's some Trotman dude. Yeah, Zach Trotman. I like. I know that name. Where'd he come from? He played in Boston. I'm like, okay, radio. Well, you're one so, up on me. I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my attitude to Greg McKegg. It's like, what? That name's not going to hang around. And then he, you know, made the opening that roster. I'm like, I better try and work out who this guy is. I was just thinking more along the lines, how many puns can I come up with for title <laughs> names? Yeah. People didn't like my... Uh, my dad won from yesterday. Which one? With with Cullen. They were playing Cullen last night, also known as Dad. Oh, yeah, said yeah, With yeah. Dad gone, the Penguins went out and got him a keg. That's brilliant. <laughs> Tell that to some other people. Really? Ah. If you can be a puddle operator and a, a, a title, I reckon you're doing all right. That's yeah, I've brilliant. been... I've been uh, doing some more of that this year i don't know why <laughs> i hate doing titles it's the worst part so why not make them stupid exactly i don't have an editor that changes them or nothing so yeah stuff it i don't know i don't i don't know what they can do they're gonna bleed shots the rest of the year whether they're healthy or not so they're gonna have to work out how to bleed less do they try and fix it with their back six, or do they try and fix it with making sure that their forwards have the puck more often? Um, I don't see them making a defensive trade, really. Barring, like, Schultz and Latang being, like, down and out. Yeah, injury forced. Dumoulin's not going anywhere. Nope. Mata is playing better. So I doubt that has any traction anymore. If it did. Yeah. I think it did. But Hunwick's not going anywhere. Cole is up for a new deal. I don't know why they would... The value to the Penguins is higher... Than the return. Than futures. They're going for a three-peat, so that doesn't make sense. I think you're looking at their defense core. It's going to have to come from the other way. And well, they need they need a they need a Duchesne style guy to play that third line role. All right, let's talk about that. I think that Vegas has an interesting candidate for that. Who? Oh, the dude that can't play. Shipachov. I'm not even going to attempt it. 
That's what I'm going with. Vadim Shipachov. He's available, or they're allowing him to orchestrate a trade. He makes $4.5 million, so that's um, an issue for Pittsburgh. That's Carl Hagelin money, dude. That is Carl Hagelin money. And I was going to say, if you can um, start the conversation with those two as the main things, then I would pursue it. If Vegas doesn't want Carl, uh, I think that's where it ends. Give him no. Give him Patrick. Give him Patrick. No. Can't. Uh, I don't think that would make sense for Vegas, though. I'm not caring about Vegas at this point with this conversation. Well, but you I'm are. Just... You are correct, though. It wouldn't work. But that's that's the thing. It's like they've got to be creative here to come up with something that. I don't understand. To create that three-line role. I I don't believe for a second that he can't play in the league. I know he's thirty. Okay, so you got the the Rob Volman has uh, NHL the KHL or KHL the NHL formula Conversion. for points. Yeah. And while it's not a perfect system, Artemi Panarin, he, his formula nailed. He was within two or three points of the 75 that he got in the NHL his first. I think he got 75 and then 73 points. And the prediction was 77-ish or something. They were all within three or four, which I thought was impressive. He's, he's doing okay. <laughs> Shipachov's year last year, I think he had 75 points in 54 games or something. That comes out to 99 NHL points and... You don't need to tell me that he's not going to score that. I get it. Yeah. But it speaks to, like, he should get 50 if he got time. Or even 40. Yeah. Like, there is evidence of predictability with this uh, translation. So am I supposed to ignore that this guy's clocking out at 99 points, even though he's not going to get it? Am I? That's a lot of evidence that points to a, a guy that makes potential sense for a risk reward signing or trade, whatever. I just, I, it, it's going to be that price tag that's going to probably screw some of the teams that would want him on their roster. To be honest, they're all cap strapped as a rule. Yeah, and Vegas have got to want to take the cash back. I mean, they've got the space to take it. It's not not a matter of them not being able to fit it in. It's more a matter of what do they want to do right now. I have absolutely no doubt that they think they're a playoff team. Management, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it's an interesting scenario that's going to play out because they. Is this short-term success going to derail any of their long-term ideas? Well, what would you think if you're okay? So let's if you're looking at George McPhee's track record, I would say yes. Oh, I don't disagree, but let's say the wins don't maybe come at this rate, but they're still like in the midst of a playoff picture, but closer towards the bottom of the conference. What do you do with James Neal? You don't re-sign him. You tr- this is the thing. It's like I know. if they're gonna 
if they're going to be legit about trying to build this thing properly so that they're good for a long time, um, not just a short time, like as in this year and then they're atrocious next year, you, you gotta you got to move your, your assets that you don't have committed beyond this year. You just have to. I, yeah, I don't... You have to move a guy like Neil, but what does that say to the team shouldn't say anything they already don't know they should know Correct. what the situation is fans yep. are getting the best of both worlds they're getting all these wins and it's created excitement around the town it doesn't matter if it's sustainable or not that was a great opening they're eight and one a lot of home games excitement I actually had Love some friends go to the chicago game the other night a lot they of different they, they had a great they had a great time and i know other players in the league are taking notice cuz i saw a Josh Yoey tweet that claimed uh, Sid's love for analytics and that he thinks that Vegas's success is sustainable right and okay. i don't know Sid it took me like 30 seconds to look up PDO and there's Vegas sitting in the 1060s with the next team in the 1030s. So they're shooting 12 percent and getting 94 and a half percent saves. So it's yeah, just and it's teams not. can do it for a year. Don't get me wrong, teams can do it for a year, but that's ridiculous. Not, not 1060. No. 1030 uh, Boudreau teams usually are up that way. But 1060, get out of here. 94% with non-Flurry, non-Picard, <laughs> Subban, who has not shown himself to be a capable NHL goalie, even though he's hurt now. Yeah. Come on. That, that's sustainable? A 12% shooting is sustainable? There's no chance. No. Possession-wise, so, they're a little bit above where I thought they'd be. They're like 48-ish. So the, the thing for me is timing-wise, you know how you said what happens to, to, the, you know, to the players if they start throwing guys away because it's the right thing to do for the franchise? If, if the players got there and just quit on the, on the season, that would work perfectly for Vegas because they'd just drop like a, a rock down to the bottom five or whatever to try and get a draft pick. And that's really what they need. Um, this Swedish defenseman Darlin is like supposed to be the real deal, and you know Victor Hedman was the last one we heard that about. If they could get someone that was like Hedman, you look at how that would transform that franchise. That's going to be their best bet, not making the playoffs and um, you know maybe getting a, a a playoff, you know, a couple of home playoff games and that sort of stuff. You're better off trying to look for the the future and. Being able to say to your fans, look, we're here five years later and the pain we, we put you through for the first couple of years, we've got the rewards for it now. Yeah. But for now, good for the uh, expansion team getting off to that start from a business standpoint. That's great. So, hey, will, will Casey DeSmith play today? Oh, for Pittsburgh? Yeah. I haven't seen anything. I haven't looked for anything. <laughs> There's that too. Yeah, well, yeah. It's back to back. Um, 
Who are they playing? The Jets? Oh, that would, yeah. be, that would be very cruel. <laughs> Welcome to the league, buddy. Here's yeah. Line A and Shifley and Wheeler. Although they played a low-scoring game the other night, but Matt Murray yeah. had, to, had to really... Um, so did Hallibuck. They were both quite good in that game, and that's the thing. It wasn't a boring game at a 2-1 overtime. It was some good hockey. Holiday cash, you need it, and I know where to get it. My bookie is the place to score serious cash on your sports predictions. Believe it or not, the holidays are just around the corner, and while that means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending, it also means there's lots of football, basketball, and hockey games you can score big on every day. Step up and play like the pros on game day. You can play the money line, side, or total. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. Where you bet is just as important as what you're betting on. And if you want to make more money betting the games, you've got to go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I'd recommend. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. They have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone an absolute breeze. Join join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use the promo code HERTS to activate the offer. Just have to head to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So, let's talk about the teams that are struggling. Out of New York, Montreal, and Edmonton, who do you think is in the worst spot? New York Rangers, probably. I agree. I think it's division-related more so than the fact that Montreal and Edmonton have shown me anything that makes me think that they're going to recover. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the standings here, and the Rangers are 3-7-2, which obviously isn't good, but in that 3-7-2, they've had nine home games already. Yeah, but they've always got that part of their year where they have to travel because of the circuits as well, so um, they're making it tough. Was that a backhanded dig at fish? No. No, 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 no. I know better than that. <laughs> I know better than that, yeah. Because they're doing another four-night run, New Year's. Oh, okay. Kicking the Rangers out. But... The, uh, the Rangers are weird because they're not... I don't get it. It's, it's like, is it just the fact that Lundqvist isn't super, super human anymore and he's just human? Well, that his age would indicate that that is eventually going to happen. He's still going to be very good, where before it was, it, what makes him the best goalie of the generation is the floor is really good. Yeah. His normal is absurdly good. And I think that's starting to shift a little bit uh, downward. And that cap hit is pretty expensive. Yeah. And they don't have Ken Talbot or Artie Ranta backing him up anymore. They have Pavlik. And quite frankly, they got center issues. 
They traded, do look a- they traded Stepan, which, you know, whatever, but I like Zabina Jad a lot. Yeah. Who are they going to the question for them I suppose is who are they gonna be able to leapfrog or who's gonna fall out ahead of them in the division to at least give them a a shot at, at getting fourth. And it's like, well, maybe Jersey, but then they've still got to try and get around you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus are probably the three fail safes at the moment, although Washington's shaky. I think their best and case then, is a wild card. Yeah. I do think Jersey you, will fall. I don't. I think Carolina will just get better and better, though, and that's probably New York's challenge in itself. I mean, Jersey's 8-2. and two. And they do have a plus nine goal differential, but again, I think their shooting percentage has been pretty top notch so far this year. If um, yeah. if I remember correctly, and this is where you can sort of loop back to to Pittsburgh for a second. What you said at the start of the podcast, though, they're banking points with a team that's shooting at five percent. Yeah, that's going to get better. Yeah. So the fact that they're managing to get points here in games, that they're getting severely outplayed some of the time, um, that's what's going to hurt New York. I mean, they're not playing atrocious hockey and they're losing games without managing to get loser points as well. So that that hurts too. I mean, Montreal's issue is if Carey Price doesn't get closer to being Carey Price, they're toast anyway. They are they're minus di- 19 goal differential in dead last in the entire conference. Yeah. But their like their shooting percentage is slightly less than Pittsburgh's, but you don't expect a Montreal team to have a safe percentage of like eighty eight. Like their PO no. is yeah. freak. It's so very low. They are a better team than their record. However, it's tough to, when you dig a hole this far, you're already an eighth of the way through the season or, or more than that. Yeah. And with the the point setup that this league has, it's tough to make up points when teams go to overtime. Because yeah, Travis Travis Yost did a thing where it's about game 30, pretty much what you have at game 30 playoff position-wise is pretty much what you have. So they've got 20 games to try and sort themselves out and get themselves back into a wild-card spot. There's teams to be had there. I mean, Detroit, Florida, Buffalo, they can jump all those teams. Philly, um, I'll have to do a little more research on. I don't know how how they're doing. I, I haven't... Uh, I've neglected them to this point this year. Not intentionally, it just, it's the way it's gone. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's, it's, it's weird. Edmonton's the one that's got me a little... I think the thing that saves Edmonton is the fact that their division itself has a couple of really bad teams that they should theoretically be able to beat up on and, and just get some free points. You know, they, shouldn't, they should never lose to Arizona and they theoretically should never lose to Vancouver, who are surprisingly going okay at the moment. Um, but I expect them to fall off as well. So And Vegas. 
Oh yeah, sorry, and yeah, and Vegas. So I mean, that's the thing. Vegas is not going to. I don't think Vegas will make the playoffs. So that's a team that Edmonton don't really have to jump. But they still do have Calgary, San Jose, Anaheim, and LA in front of them that they have to try and catch. Now I know the gap between these is not a lot, but they have only won three out of ten games for the start of the year. Yeah. And L.A., look at them. Great record. Who'd have thought getting an offensive coordinator would help a team score? Yeah, I'm going to have to... That'll be a, one of the interesting things to, to look into if uh, if their high danger chances of... If, if their possession has gone down, but it, their quality has gone up because their shot attempt numbers under... Uh, Sutter were great, but yeah. not so much their heat map. And, um, you know. See, they were gaming Corsi. Not intentionally, but yes. <laughs> no, of course not. But if you want to talk more Edmonton, I believe Nick Kiprios on headlines yes. last night. <laughs> said the Oilers are upset with the Everly Strom trade already and are considering moving on from Strom. Jeez, who who would have who would have thought? And they're complaining about secondary scoring. Ain't ain't that a bitch? Um, McDavid is awesome, and McDavid will do wonderful things there, Edmondson, but they are making it very hard on him. Get out, Connor. Their possession, numbers, their possession numbers as a team look okay, but that's because McDavid, when he's on the ice, is at like 66% or something like that. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. He's great. It's like when he's not on the ice, they're absolutely, well, they're not absolutely terrible, but they're not fantastic, right? You get him, you put him on the ice, and he every time he's on the ice, he's just pulling their numbers up. Like it's, it's amazing and it's magical, but it's like give the guy a little bit of help, please. I I hate that he's there so much because it's not inherently some some of it is Edmonton related because of just the other night Sid versus Connor McDavid and because yeah, that's it's Edmonton they don't throw it on national TV instead you get Detroit Buffalo like what the fuck are we doing here I don't care that Buffalo and Detroit get good local ratings. You know, no, you're never, you're never going to chip away at the national ones if you can't show the two damn best players in the league that only play each other twice a year. And this, is, and this is the one that's in the Eastern time zone oh, at 7 p.m. Oh, idiots. It, listen, I get the games, whatever. But that's that's such a terrible... You think the NBA would pass on Steph and LeBron... Because that's basically what the NHL just did. Yep. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So that's one reason I don't want them there. And and that's not a slight on the actual city of Edmonton and its fine citizens, but you you want your best player to be out there, and one of the TV partners doesn't put him out there, like, at all. 
But more importantly, the GM sucks and is going to ruin whatever window and already has ruined the size of their window with some of the decisions that they've made that we've talked about before. The blind faith of the local media in Edmonton is is half the blame for this. There's not really been much critical thinking in regard. Oh, we got Chiarelli in, great. He's won a Stanley Cup in Boston. But their window slammed shut on them quick as hell because of the moves he made in regards to certain players. So, you know, I'd have preferred Edmonton to have gone with um, a younger a younger general manager who looked at the game a little bit differently, but that's not how the um, management saw it. Yeah, just think Taylor Hall and Eberle still on with that forward roster. And I know that means that they don't have Adam Larson, but it's like, yeah, so what? Yeah, not that they don't need, you know, a player that can chew up a, a few minutes, but you look at some of the other defense, like, okay, here's one. Chalmerson. Yeah. You didn't need to trade Taylor Hall for a middling top four D-man. You could have got a legit top four D-man from Chicago for pennies on the dollar. The idea that it took a Taylor Hall to get an average defenseman is just ludicrous. And once again, it's just ratio winning trade after trade after trade. Big trade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Big trade. Can't. Uh, I'm not letting him off the hook for the d- d- two two seconds for Doug Murray. No, that's a very good point. That's a very very good point. I think I may have just erased that one from my memory. <laughs> that's a bad one. It was. Um, yeah. So Edmonton is just going to be an interesting case study of. Well, Edmonton got by last year because Cam Talbot was really good. Yeah. So he needs to stay there. Which he has. Fundamentally, like. Their save percentage is 91% in all situations. I haven't gone and tried to find what it's like in the high danger areas comparative to last year. But their PDO is down because of their shooting percentage. They're just not scoring. I mean, I have full confidence that McDavid will. Yeah. And Dreisaitl. Well, that's the uh, that's the tough thing they're going to have this year. Do they load up the, the one line with the big two? That was always going to be the thing about the Dreisaitl extension. He's going to have to carry a line to make that money work. Because they have three legit centers there in that context, in the sense that you go, you know, you've got McDavid, you've got Dreisaitl, and you've got Ryan Nigel Hopkins. And if you relate it back to Pittsburgh, whilst... I don't think Nugent Hopkins is a Jordan Stall, and obviously Drysaddle's not an Evgeny Malkin. It's still a decent, it's still a decent spine for you to build your lines around and play with. And I would get Drysaddle away from McDavid as much as I can, and find out whether he can actually do it, because McDavid can make anybody look good and get points scored. So just do that. Just let McDavid be be awesome on his own. And I think they're drag. trying that. I do think they're trying that. Well, they, they, yeah, and they just need to, they just need to have faith in that, and then just play with the rest of the lineup. 
but you can't put Drysaddle back up there consistently all the time um, and have them play a lot of minutes together. Defeats yeah, the purpose but... of paying Drysaddle as much as they are or will be. But I watched that team against Pittsburgh, and that was a pretty... I, I thought it was an all right game. There are good moments of skill involved. And I see Mark Letestu playing big minutes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, geez. All right. <laughs> hey, he got, got himself I, finished. I guess that's what we're doing here in Edmonton. He niched himself a role because he's good on the power play. So, you know, hockey being hockey, he deserves the extra minutes. It's like, whatever. Or treat him like Sam Gagne in Columbus. Play him on yeah. the fourth line, and if he's good on the power play, use him. Yep, and I think that would be wise, and I can't believe that I would say um, Tortorella's out-coached McClellan there. I wouldn't have thought I'd ever say that. But you look at... I guess we're just going to beat up the Oilers for a bit here. I have, this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, for me, for the year. It's just it's frustrating looking at what goes on there and the, the way it's covered... And then you look at what happens in, in Toronto, and um, they're fun to watch, really. I mean, Pittsburgh bleed shots, but so do they. And um, they've got the talent around to, to make up for it. Edmonton doesn't. Should. Don't. Yeah. They had those pieces in place. Was it you or Dave Lozo that wrote that they shouldn't have? It was Lozo, that's right. He's got there and he's gone, oh, you know, they need a Taylor Hall, they need an Everlight. So, oh, we had them, but we, we threw them away. You don't go throwing away quality players. No, you don't. But Connor's good enough to, to float them for a bit. He's going to give Chiarelli more years than he should. In his yeah, job. He's, he, if not already the best player in the league, and then with room to grow. Yeah. His issue is he's not going to have the second best guy in the league alongside for the ride. And that's where Pittsburgh have got to understand how lucky they've been as fans. (laughs) I think most do. Some might not, but yeah, it's uh, absurd that it fell that way. Yeah. So it's, it's good. Good for us as fans. Um, anything else you want to cover off on before we bail out of here? Um, one, I get, yeah, one, I'd like to compliment uh, Stephen Stamkos and, and Kucherov. What what great starts they've had. Let's just hope for the league's sake that it continues for the year. Because there's been some nice stuff happening. I mean, Stamkos was leading the NHL in points per 60 at even strength before he got hurt last year. Yeah. And he's up near the top again this year. And it's been um, been good to see. And Kucherov is getting robbed by his team with that contract. <laughs> 4.5 million guy should be worth double um, I hope they stay healthy 
the like ignore the Stamkos deserves to stay healthy for everything he's gone through in the last two and a half years, but just that entire roster. If that entire roster stays healthy, um, it'll be good for hockey. They they play some good stuff there, and um, yeah, that uh, potential Tampa Toronto series would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and and you know Vasilevsky's starting to prove a lot of people right that were were saying that he's going to be an, a, a, you know an awesome goalie. So. Um, if they've got that there to bail them out when they get too aggressive offensively, then um, they're going to be a really tough out no matter who has to play them. And I know I saw Sergachev's name pop up. I believe he scored his first career goal like last week or the week before. And I think he's doing okay. Yeah. I think they're going to keep him up too. I believe they are, and they should. Yeah. So that trade... Um, Bergevin, Bergevin, Bergevin. Because Montreal needs young defensemen, but they're allergic to them. <sighs> Stupid. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a give a shout-out to the two Lightning players because they've, uh, they've been excellent. MVP yeah. caliber numbers... Uh, Ten-ish games through the season. That'll if if they keep this up, they will stop each other from getting the award. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's how. Yep. Which but is if the Oilers tough. make the playoffs, I think uh, the award's only going to go one way, anyways. Ah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Unless it catches complete fire, and. Uh, gets an Art Ross, but, you know, he's cruising along, point per game. So is Gino, so is Phil. It's funny, you hear that about Gino, and, and it's like, oh, he's racking up points here, and you go, he's done nothing this year that's made me think he's feeling any good about himself at the moment. Hasn't I, been that... I, I still like watching him play. I don't know, I certainly do too, but I, I'm used to seeing him get the puck and just dominate a shift, and it's only happened... It's happened a lot less frequently than I'm used to. And then I sit there and go, well, he does have a new kid, and it's only like game 10 of the year. Uh, I'll be more worried when it's game 70. Yeah, but not- him and Phil, it works, but it's not going to work the same way it's always worked for Gino. Because, you know, when he takes that puck, it's usually facilitated through some clever drop passes to areas area passes yeah and like that's not really phil's thing phil's more of a fast break player than a set offense guy yeah and brian rust very fast uh having a nice year but he's not a super clever he's not a puck yeah i guess that would be a, a way to put that so i just think uh line combinations are playing a little bit into that but how did we get this far in the podcast and not give Phil Phil his due? Oh, 300. Well, not only that, but back-to-back uh, overtime yeah. goals. That was uh, – yeah. so – or I'm sorry, Gino and Phil looked pretty damn good in overtime because Mike Sullivan rightly so, in my opinion, put Sid, Gensel, and Latang to burn out the opposition's best trio. Because what are you going to do, not match that? And yeah, risk no. not getting to the second shift of overtime? 
And then you got Phil and Gino following that up. That's that's not easy. No, and, and it no, hasn't no. been. They've ended the games. So I think that's all I have to say. Oh, and Phil, uh, Ryan Reeves is going to um, earn his spot on the roster from the fact that he's going to be the prankster replacement of Fleury. See what he did to Kessel? Yeah. And then what he did to Ian Cole? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I'm glad that they, you know, on a human that's, level, that's all good stuff. That's what's going to keep him around, dude. You know it. I'm pretty resigned to that. <laughs> you are to listen to the tone of your voice. But that doesn't mean I'll take petty pot shots throughout the year. Yep. I know that, what you mean. That's not going away anytime soon, so <laughs> it is it is what it is. Alright, let's take us home here. Alright, so you can find us at uh we can find the podcast at uh hockeyhurts.com you can find Gunner's writing at hockeybuzz.com you can find Gunner at um, at Gunner Stall you can find myself at, at Walshy 66 on the Twitters uh, we do have the Hockey Hurts podcast page on Facebook and we're also on Patreon just look for if you just type in Hockey Hurts there or patreon.com uh, backslash Hockey Hurts or Hockey underscore Hurts I think you'll find us that way as well and what iTunes. Oh, yeah. Rate us. Leave us some comments. Appreciate it. Please. We'll see you next time. Bye.